Joined now with one of our guests, who is one of the city councilors who voted through this new zoning bylaw, city councilor for Ward C.P. Winniewalk. How badly did I just butcher that? My producer, Cassandra, is laughing at me in the other studio right now. I practiced that, I think, four times off air, and I still messed it up. Councillor Sarah Hamilton. Councillor C.P. Winniewalk, is that better? You got it. Okay. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, that's not the focus of our conversation. We're talking about the zoning bylaw. Let's just back up to last week and, and just remind everyone listening how these hearings went, because this was a huge civic issue. There was a lot of work that was done on this. So just kind of remind us at the stage for what exactly council has been through. Well, uh, last Monday we started with our first 12-hour meeting and we had four consecutive 12-hour meetings uh, to Thursday night and then Friday uh, after or Friday morning council met again. And at that time, a referral motion was tabled. It was defeated. And then today we're into our fifth uh, or our sixth day of meetings, our fifth 12-hour meeting. Um, last week, we heard from over 200 uh, Edmontonians who spoke in favor and against the bylaw. And uh, on Friday and today, we've been debating um, the the finer points of it. There were only two councillors that voted against, Councillors Principe and Councillor Rice. You were obviously one of the councillors that voted this through. So speak to the fact that, you know, you think this is going to be the right move for our city. What do you think this is going to create in terms of what type of Edmonton this will mean moving forward? And and first I want to say I I always respect those who who speak in opposition or or vote in opposition to something um, because I think it's important for things not to be unanimous. We always have to work on making our bylaws, our policies better. Um, I supported it, however, because a lot of people in the community, whether they're talking about uh, retrofitting or having, um, I'm going to say, uh, tie-ins for electric vehicle charging or being concerned about, uh, let's say, um, the quality of development next door, that's those are really good concerns, but they're not at the heart of what zoning is. Zoning is about the box um, and how big the box is and what goes in the box, what the, what are the uses. Um, and, and what we're working on this afternoon is, and tonight is refining uh, some of those points and, and making sure that we're following up on the concerns Edmontonians brought in. My reason for supporting it is that it enables Edmontonians across the city to have different types of housing in their neighborhood not saying that everyone wants you know not it's not trying to put everybody into a uniform type of housing but allowing people to uh move up uh in or i should say not move up but move into bigger or smaller housing Mm. uh, more maintenance less maintenance based on what their needs are so with the new bylaw having gone through this Mm -hmm. will this will now allow edmontonians to build three-story apartments, townhouses, row houses, duplexes in any residential area citywide starting next year, just so we're clear. That's what now has been voted through. Yes, I think that um, before anybody goes out and takes a development permit, you have to read sort of what the size is proportional to the lot you're trying to build on. Certainly um, the maximum height uh, that was sort of contemplated uh, mid-block deals with very large lots. Um, and I I know that there's a lot of concern for people about what they're going to wake up to next door. Um, and that's something I'm working on. Uh, they People still have to go through a, a permitting process to submit 
um, plans the city and there's still restrictions based on the lot size. Um, and, and market will drive a lot of it, to be blunt. Market drives a lot of where what housing types go where right now. Um, but if you look at neighborhoods like Grosvenor or Ritchie, those are neighborhoods that have had the RF3 zoning for uh, 40, 40 years, maybe longer. And you drive through those neighborhoods and you're not looking at mega high rises. You're looking at townhouses, row houses, and single detached residences. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of think that you're alluding to the answer to my next question, that a lot of people have been concerned that um, that, that we're going to have developers that just swoop in and and take advantage. So what certainties do we have that development is going to be done with things like community in mind and being sure that we don't have developers coming in, taking advantage and and sort of ruining, I think, neighborhoods, which is what many people I think are kind of fearful of? And, and I, I understand that. I think if we look at one of the things that didn't, that hasn't worked well with the infill construction, because a lot of people's reference point is lot splitting and infill construction. You you sometimes had um, not developers but builders who had limited experience, um, and and it's as we've heard from the infill developers association, it can be much harder to to build sort of in between two pre existing houses. Um, I think having really clear expectations from residents on on what that means for them, Uh, having really clear uh, compliance, um, really clear compliance uh, guidelines and metrics for what uh, residents can expect uh, from that compliance in their neighborhood will help build trust. Because I I hear from a lot of people, we've lost their trust on our ability to deal with those, I'm going to say bad apples. Um, or bad actors, uh, and and we have to come in. I'm, I'm making a subsequent later today. We have to come in strong and supportive Newtonians in maintaining um, maintaining the livability of their community if a new new construction is happening on their block. Yeah, I mean, this certainly wasn't a, I, I think an easy road to navigate with so many people wanting to weigh in and share their thoughts on both sides of it. As you mentioned, 200, uh, you know, both for and against. Some people mm-hmm. saying this is great for density. This is the way forward. Edmonton's one of the most progressive cities when it comes to zoning now because of this. Then there are others. I'm looking at our text line right now. Uh, We've got Maria mentioning that they live in a neighborhood where oversized infills began several years ago. And because of the infrastructure that exists in that neighborhood, it's caused flooding and surface water backup. So uh, there are some concerns in terms of just how our city's infrastructure can be supportive of these new developments. Can you speak to that? So a lot. So so there's sort of the underground and there's the over there's the above ground. Um, the underground, I I'm fairly comfortable saying that we have the infrastructure underground uh, as it comes to water and drainage to support um, to support. Uh, uh, new construction across the city. In part, we heard a staggering number on Thursday, I believe it was, um, that in 1970, you had about 3.5 uh, people per household. That's the calculation. And the estimated water use was around 350 liters of water a day. Fast forward today, you have about 2.2 people per household and about 120 liters mm. uh, allocated per day. So that's that's a significant drop in water use per household um, uh, across the city, even as our city's grown. And our pipes were our water pipes were built to that those specs. That being said, 
Um, so, so I'm comfortable with underground. We do have to have a conversation about the electricity piece, but I think that's a, a longer piece and it deals with, you know, the staging at which people start to, we start to see more electric cars in our, our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're there yet, but we have to think about that. But the above ground piece is really, that that's the tricky part because that deals with lot grading and that can happen and has happened. It doesn't matter if that household is big or small that gets built on the lot next to you. But if new construction happens in 2024 and your home was built in 1970, the the, the new one has to be built to 2024 lot grading standards. And the and you probably haven't had your lot regraded since the house was built. Maybe maybe a couple of years ago. So uh, you may have had it regraded. Super exciting stuff, I know. Um, and, and there's ways to mitigate it. But we we aren't telling people that. We aren't talking to people about uh, uh, the things that could. Uh, the things that they can do, collaborate on to mitigate that sort of on-property flooding that does happen. Councillor, one last question. You know, we've seen increases to our property taxes here in the city. Um, How will this help? Will this help? I think in the long term it will help. We're using the existing infrastructure to, to... Um, house more people. We're not going out, we're going up, Um, we're getting more creative with our use of space. But I also don't think it would be realistic to say, and you'll see a difference in your tax bill in 2024 or 2025. I think what we're looking at now is is classic bending the curve on spending. So being able to provide more amenities, more services to people in the space that already exists. So this isn't this isn't perfect, but but I think it'll help us get there in the long run. Okay, Councillor, thank you so much for making the time. I know it's been a, a whirlwind few days, so uh, thanks for carving out a few minutes to chat about this. No problem. Of course, take care. That's Councillor Sarah Hamilton, Edmonton City Councillor for Ward C P Winniewalk. There we go. <laughs> a little bit better than the introduction.